Hello guys and girls and welcome back to another episode of Seb Talk Sports, sponsored by Hoopin and Luton, the place to go to for your favourite new and vintage jerseys and apparel from all things basketball. That intro music and podcast theme was created by all pro New York Giants running back, now music creator and friend of the show, David Wilson. Go and check him out on all of his social media platforms at Forza Running on Twitter and Instagram and his music under David E. Wilson across all good music streaming services. He's free for business so drop him a message if you want some beats for your podcast, adverts, commercial, absolutely anything you need. Before I get into this episode I just want to say that if you're not already following Seb Talk Sports across all platforms then please do. You can find me on Facebook Facebook, Seb Talks Sports, YouTube, Seb Talks Sports, Twitter, at Seb Talks Sports, and Instagram, where I'm primarily active. Again, it's at Seb Talks Sports. Today, I've got a very special guest on my podcast, one of the greatest players in franchise history of my favourite NFL team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. A hard-hitting safety who manned the Duval secondary for nine seasons, totting up 640 total tackles in teal, ranking 16th on the Jaguars' all-25 list in 2019. It's none other than the great number 20 double d himself donovan darius enjoy My guest today is one of the greatest Jacksonville Jaguars in franchise history. A hard-hitting nine-year starting safety who racked up 640 total tackles in teal, ranking 16th on the Jaguars All-25 list in 2019. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Double D himself, Donovan Darius, to Seb Talk Sports. Donovan, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. You're very, very welcome. Thank you very much for coming on my show. No problem at all, man. Congratulations, like I said, on all the good work you're doing. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'd love to go right back to the beginning to start with. So what are your earliest memories of football, obviously being born and growing up in the Northeast of America? And what in particular was it that made you truly fall in love with the game? Well, for me, man, like I said, I love football. You know, we grew up in Camden, New Jersey, you know, where we had our little youth pop, you know, pop Warner football teams. Uh, It's funny, you know, one story that I, I get to tell people is that I never got a chance to play football until it was free you know, because we couldn't afford the $35 that it cost to play Pop Warner. So I used to play in the park. I remember playing with the older guys, you know what I mean? Shouting my skills, acting like I was was Bo Jackson, you know, just trying to be so, you know, uh, modeling and and admiring Randall Cunningham and a Philadelphia Eagle fan. And, um, and so, yeah, so that was my, that was my upbringing, just really in the park before school, after school, you name whenever I can get a football on my hands, I got a football on my hands and we would just go out and play and just try to have a great time with it until uh ninth grade it became like I said, I started playing high school football, which was which was which was new to me, the organized part of it and with all the equipment and everything. So I've been on a journey. So it's interesting how it ended, you know, the success that I had from the time that it ended to when I started, man. It was it was a large gap, but it was a lot of learning. Yeah, absolutely. After your days at high school, you had an awesome college career, of course, which I'd like to talk about very quickly because you spent four years on the field at Syracuse in the secondary, finishing your time on the Orange with 379 total tackles and 12 picks, seven of which came in your senior season, of course. And you earned consecutive All-Big East honours as well as the conference's Defensive Player of the Year Award in 1997. So how much did you enjoy your time at Syracuse, both on and off the field? And how crucial was that knowledge and experience to you when turning pro? It was very, very crucial, very crucial. I think, uh, you know, college is when you go from a young, you go from a boy to a man, you really grow into yourself. Uh, to have, You know, I remember my first year being there, I was like, man, in front of these 55,000 fans in the Carrier Dome, you know, it was amazing to be able to go out and play in front of 
uh, a fan base such as that. You know, I, I redshirted my first year, so I didn't get a chance to play. I got a chance to, and I'd always encourage young athletes, if you get a chance to redshirt, to redshirt, you know, because, you know, that gives you the opportunity to, to practice without having to perform. You got a chance to learn, learn the game. You got a chance to get on that platform and get your body acclimated, get adjusted to the school, the classroom, the everything, you know, and then you get a chance to, that next year, go out and try to, you know, add, add some addition towards the team's performance. And so, so it was great for me, man. I, I uh, redshirted my first year, my second year, I was on special teams and third down packages. And my third year, I started as a strong, you know, I started as the free safety, you know what I'm saying? And then of course the fourth and my fifth year, I started as a free safety as well. But I had some interesting things happen while I was playing, you know what I mean? Syracuse beyond football, you know, one of the things was not only just having that great experience, but having my brothers, you know, I, um, I know Disney has this movie out called Safety, you know, where a guy from Clemson brings his brothers to live with him. Well, that was the true story. <laughs> I had to bring, I brought my two brothers to live with me who were high school, high school athletes um, because, you know, their, their, their living at home was not safe. And so I had, so they came and lived with me on campus. Then we moved off campus. And so again, it was, it was, it was a great experience. I'm grateful for the academic and the athletic and the administrative staff on everything that they helped me to accomplish that within the family. But, um, but I just say overall, just again, college was just, you know, I, I kind of prefer, you know, in a way, you know, not discounting the money, but college sports over professional sports, because it's interesting about college sports is like you're, you, you really are learning and you really are growing and you really can see the disparity between the differences of experiences with people, you know, on these different levels. And so, uh, you know, and the excitement and the, the emotion behind it all, you know, that experience is great. So, so I had a great college experience. I had an opportunity my junior year to come out, you know, and go professional. Um, I have my, as I mentioned, I have my brothers with me and I wanted to try to capitalize on how fast can I get to a job, you know, my, you know, being the NFL. So I remember calling several NFL football teams, asking them, what did they think about me coming out you know, uh, you know, into the draft. And I remember specifically as Washington Redskins, one of their personnel called me back and said, you know what, Don, we think that you're pretty good. You know, I was a Drisher junior at the time. He said, but I think one more year would not hurt you. So I decided to come back. Good thing I did because I had that all Big East, all American season, you know, and one, one first round, uh, you know, to the, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm, nice one. Great, great story. Okay, and then of course, after your college career, uh, let's talk about the night of the 18th of April, 1998, the NFL draft. And in a first round featuring Hall of Famers, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Randy Moss and yeah. Alex Manecker, you were selected with a 25th pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars as Tom Coffin picked up the phone and asked you to join the secondary of a new franchise that had already achieved great success despite only existing for three seasons at the time. So I'd love to know how much were you in contact with Jags prior to them picking you on the night and what did it mean to you and your family to be drafted? Well, for one, to go through the whole combine process and to go through the whole interview process was something that was just mind-blowing. The fact that you have these teams, you know, these multi-billion dollar teams from all over the country that can that's coming in looking at the talent, something that used to be a sport, now they want to turn it into a job. And so just having meeting with the different coaches, Bill Calvert, Tom Coughlin, you know, I mean, you, you, you name it, all these, Marvin Lewis, all these coaches just 
you know, it was my, it was mind blowing. Like a kid from, because it was a kid from Camden, New Jersey, who had never experienced some of these things. And now all of a sudden got a chance to experience this mm. on something that he looked up to for so long as a Philadelphia Eagle, you know, fan was amazing. And so when it came down to, uh, when it came close to, you know, getting drafted and stuff like that, we had our personal workout days. I worked out personally for, for several, you know, for a lot of teams, you know, and I got a chance to sit down with Coach Coughlin. He had me, he had me on a drawing board. Yeah, he was one of the only coaches that had me on a drawing board, asking me plays, asking me this, asking me that, because he was really serious about they wanted somebody to come in that can play. I remember Dick Geron, uh, who was who was the defense coordinator when he drafted me. He said Donovan will bring violence to the, to our defense, you know, and that was what I was known for being, you know, being a violent defensive player, you know. But uh, but yeah, but getting drafted, you know, back in that April that April that time frame was amazing sitting at the house in New Jersey with my family, full of my family at the house and just getting that phone call, just sitting outside and getting that phone call, running in the house, being on the phone call and then Coach Coughlin saying, hey, we're about to pick you. And seeing Paul Tagliabue, the commissioner, walk across the stage and say, with the 25th pick of the 1998 draft, the Jaguars select Donovan Derrick. I mean, that was amazing. I mean, you think about it, like you're coming into my city, you're coming into my place. And you're saying that, hey, Donovan has an opportunity to fulfill a purpose and to grow and to fulfill a dream. And so it was a dream. It was a dream come true, you know what I'm saying, for me. And so uh, I, I was totally grateful for the opportunity. But I knew that I knew that it didn't stop there. You know, just the opportunity didn't stop there. They were grasping me for a reason. And so I, but but more than anything, I was happy for the opportunity. Mm. Yeah, that's a great, great story. Okay, and then, of course, after making the all-rookie team in your debut season, both yourself individually and the Jags had a particularly special season in 99. You had four picks and 78 tackles as the team went 14-2, and destroyed the Dolphins 62-7 to in the divisional round, which, of course, then set you up for an AFC Championship showdown against the Titans, which you started in and had a great game. You battled out for the chance to represent the AFC in Super Bowl 34 during that game. So how special was that season in Jacksonville? What was the energy like in the locker room? And how did it feel to walk out onto the field at Hotel Stadium to compete for a spot in the Super Bowl. Oh man, it was amazing. I mean, I mean, how many kids, as they say, one out of a million high school players make it into the league, you know? And so you, you make it actually to the league, you get a chance to play for the for the biggest championship in the world in terms of football, um, coming from your humble beginnings. You know, that's why I say never despise small beginnings because they can lead to great outcomes. And so, uh, you know, no, that was that was great. And to to play against guys like Dan Marino and let that be his last game, you know, we we got them sixty two to, <laughs> to seven, you know. Um, I remember, you know, I had a friend of mine, Leon Cersei, big offensive yeah. tackle. Yeah. You know, we had a bet. We had a bet. We said, all right, whoever wins, you know, Miami versus Jack versus uh, Syracuse. You know, so he was a teammate of mine with the Jaguars. And he said, whoever wins has to wear this shirt. You know, and the shirt was all mocked up and all that stuff. But, you know, just having little games like that, even yeah. at that level, you know what I mean, was just, was just amazing. I think, uh, you know, all the tackles, all the interceptions, all the things that I've accomplished, you know, came kind of with it. But I was one of those guys that never got to the point where I felt like I made it. I never felt like I made it so I can just calm down now. I can just cruise. I always felt like I had to earn the right to to keep being on the field, had to earn the right to to earn my spot, to be there, to study, to 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 know my opponent, to basically go out there and put my best foot forward and be the best professional I could be. Mm. 
Nice, nice stuff. And that actually ties quite nicely into my next question, which is as well as your hard hitting ability at strong safety, which you're very well known for, another reason you're loved by Jags fans everywhere is your impressive durability because you only missed nine games in your first seven years in the secondary, but unfortunately then missed most of the 2005 and six seasons with an ACL tear and a broken leg. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to know how much of a challenge did those two injuries pose to you both mentally and physically and what kept you motivated during your recovery process to want to get back out there on the field with your sure. teammates? Sure. Well, of course, the goal is always to be out there and to play every game, you know, to be healthy. You can anticipate injuries happening, but you never know when they may happen. All you can know is that uh, you have to have the mindset to recover and have the team to recover, you know, to, to come back. I remember, you know, I tore my ACL in the in the second game of the season versus the Indianapolis Colts, you know, and, and to miss to miss that whole season and to now, you know, have, have to see the team, but then you know, you can't play, you can't do anything about it. You know, a lot of players there, there's a lot of doubts that go on in your mind when when you have these almost career ending injuries. You know what I mean? So again, I want to thank, I want to thank the, the staff, the, the, the Jaguars training staff, you know what I'm saying? The coaches and my family, friends, everybody that kept me encouraged, you know what I mean? That kept me encouraged and let me know that, hey, Diamond, you can bounce back from this. And it was the same thing when I broke my leg in basically 2006, you know, and then had shoulder surgery at the same time. You know, it was the it was the encouragement of the staff, the encouragement of my family, my friends, you know what I mean, and my mindset to say, okay, oh, let me go through this process. You know, we all have seasons in life, and that was my season to go through my injuries. And so after that, it was just a matter of just trying to do the best I can to get myself in the best position to come out and play. And that's, and that's what happened. So I was able to squeeze one more year, after I broke my leg out there, um, mm-hmm. but then it was time to transition from there. But, um, but you know, injuries are part of the course. You know, you know you're going to do it. You hope you hopefully don't have any major major injuries that that really you know debilitate you from from being able to play. But um, but I was grateful for those seven years where I only missed nine games. You know, and leading up into those other games where I had some of those major major injuries. Yeah. Okay, so you've had some great coaches throughout your career, of course. Paul Pascaloni during your time in college, and then Tom Coughlin, Perry Fowell, Jack Del Rio, Alvin Reynolds, and then briefly in Miami, Cam Cameron and Brett Maxey. How much did those guys impact your game throughout your career? And which of those would you say yeah. was most responsible for developing you most? You know, what's interesting is I believe that there's two types of coaches. You know, there's transactional coaches and transformational coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, those transactional coaches are the ones that are focused just on the wins and the losses. You know, they're just focused on, you know, how well can you do for them and how well can you make the program, you know, uh, esteem because of your ability, you know, I mean, to win and outperform. But then you have the transformational coaches who those coaches, they build, they're, they're all about building relationship with you. They're all about joining the journey with you, you know, throughout your career, whether it's college, high school, NFL, whatever it was. And I happen to have some good coaches, of course, Coach Kaufman, Coming in with him, you know, if I just run down a list a little bit, Coach Coughlin, he had a lot of power. He was a head coach, the general manager, office coordinator. He had a lot of power and a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to perform. So he had to make sure that the, the program was run his way. But Coach Pascaloni, the coach I came from, kind of prepared me for that. You know, mm-hmm. that stern type of this is the way we're going to do it. No excuses, yeah. this, that, and the other. And so, you know, I got, I got kind of got used to that. You know, but Coach Coughlin, I respect him for what he did, you know, in a short time building that organization to the level that he built it from there. But you, you mentioned uh, some of my position coaches, 
Perry Pugh, Alvin Reynolds, you know, those ones that we spend day to day with, you know, that becomes like father figures, big brothers to yeah. you, man. I'm great. I'm grateful for them because they're, they're the ones that spend the most time with you. And I couldn't have been successful without them. But one, one of the greatest coaches that I've had that you didn't mention, he was a coach who used to actually play in the NFL. His name was Charlie West. Mm-hmm. He was a coach who coached me in the defensive back coach. He coached me at Syracuse. He actually used to play for the 69 Vikings. And uh, I remember he's on Sundays after the games was over, he used to just say, come on in, Donovan, let's just talk about life. And so sitting down, just talking about life, like how's life? How's your family? How's your mindset? You know, how, how do you feel overall? I mean, those are the things that really stand out, those mm-hmm. relationships that you build, you know, with these coaches. And so uh, I've, been, I've been grateful to have some great coaches. You know, I've been grateful to have some great friends. And to this day, I can still call call any one of those coaches and then they'll take my call, you know, because we build a friendship up, you know, such as that. Mm, that's really, really awesome. That's great to hear. Okay, so as a player who played in 119 games for Jacksonville across nine years and had 640 total tackles, and you're recently named the 16th greatest player in franchise history, of course. I'm sure there are lots of Jags fans across the world, including myself, that would love to know, what do the Jacksonville Jaguars mean to you? Well, oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars means a lot because, again, it's it's a place where your dreams come true. I mean, you think about any kid that, that has a dream, you know, and then it all of a sudden comes true. And so I owe so much to Jacksonville and that's why I moved back to Jacksonville, you know, and started, you know, my sports programs and the community and engagement programs and things like that was because Jacksonville was, you know, meant that much to me. And so I wanted a way to give back, you know I mean, to them. So Jacksonville means so much to me, you know, I'm great. I was grateful to, <laughs> I was grateful to come to Jacksonville. People say, well, it's one of the greatest things about Jacksonville. You know, I always say, you know, because there was a small market, I say, hey, no sell, no, no income tax. <laughs> so you can, <laughs> so you can, you can, you can, you can learn, you can learn on a run. I mean, you get drafted by some of the New York and California teams and you got that income, you got that, that, that income tax, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it has a way to kind of take away some of the zeal a little bit, but just the overall, just playing in front of the crowd, you know, the fact that they were a young team, I was being, I was able to be part of a legacy to build up this team. Mm. Uh, I was fortunate when I was named number 16th all-time player uh, in, the, in the history. It just showed to me that I would, the recognition that the fans recognized that, that I was here, you know, for the right reasons. And then I wanted to leave a legacy on the field as much as I can. Mm, nice, nice answer. Okay, it's been great to see the work you've been doing since retiring from football. You earned an MBA at Jacksonville University, founded the incredible organization, the Donovan Dowries Foundation, and started doing empowerment speeches on social media, which I've recently started tuning into and I'm really, really enjoying. So um, yeah, keep those up. So what is it you particularly love about giving back and sharing your experience with others that keeps you busy during your retirement? And where do you see the foundation and yourself 10 years from now? Well, I think, uh, you know, it all goes back to my childhood. You know, my mom had five kids by the age of 22, you know, and and I'm in the middle child. And so growing up, we grew up in poverty. We didn't have much, but what we did have, we, we took advantage of them. And my mom always let us know that we had each other. And so there are certain organizations like that I can recall that's really stood up and really helped us, you know, gave us places and outlets to go you know, even though we didn't have much places like the Salvation Army, Mm. you know, which was right around the corner. So I got a chance to model and look at what the Salvation Army did, you know, and how they gave us a place, they provided food or they provided, you know, I'm saying fun and activity and, 
you know, just a time. And I said, you know what, you know, because of my experience with there, I wanted to use the platform that I had and use the name and the platform to be able to, to be able to create and turn that around and help the community itself. And so since I came here to Jacksonville, I've hosted over about 40 something life camp events where I will bring people to the stadium, show them where, their, where my dreams came true. We would have a big event built around a theme. The theme could have been about financial literacy. It could have been about daring to dream. It could have been, you know, for military, whatever it is, it could have been about the family paying it forward. So again, it was really using the platform. My mindset was how can I use my platform to not only go out on the field and, and make a dream come true there and earn money through that, but how can I use it to pour back into the community? And that's where we started with the, you know, with the Donovan Darius Foundation and creating those sport, creating those life camps for the family as a whole. I also said, you know what, how can I use my expertise and my degree, exercise science, and then help these young football players? So I started the Diamond Darius Next Level Training Organization, where we will host, we've hosted over 140 something sports camps. You know what I mean? Where we, we get a chance to teach the fundamentals, we get a chance to teach the kids the right way, get a chance to pour into them, get a chance to show them what does it takes to make it to the next level. And that next level to them may not have been high school, may not have been college, it may not have been the NFL. It may have just been just them learning some learning, you know, about character development or them learning about, you know, how how to perform better, you know, at the level that they're at technique wise. And so uh, so 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 if I can sum it all up, it's really about using utilizing your platform, you know what I mean, for the better to help the next man. And so 10 years from now, you ask, you know what I'm saying, who I don't know how it's may happen next 10 years from now, but I I do know that I love teaching and encouraging. So those empowerment sessions that we still do on online, mm -hmm. you know, are just ways in which to connect with people. So it's really about loving and loving and motivating and connecting with your neighbor, you know, and, and just and just walking, walking it out from there through love. Yeah, hundred percent. Great, great answer. Okay, Donovan, I'd love to end with some quick fire questions. You ready? Sure, man. Let's do it. Okay, favorite takeout food? Oh man, I'll say Jamaica Ethiopian. Mm, nice, nice. Okay, dogs or cats? Dogs, man. Dogs, okay. Favorite music artist of all time? I'll say I'll probably wind up saying Barry White. Mm, nice, nice choice. Okay, favorite sports movie? Remember the Titans. Yeah. Solid, solid choice. Okay, I know you're usually the one obviously doing the hard hitting on the field, as we all well know, but did you ever have a welcome to the NFL moment? And if so, who gave it to you? They, as I mentioned, they brought me to this league, to this division, because in this division, they had players running back such as Corey Dillon, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Six, you know, six one, two thirty. You know what I'm saying? They had Eddie George, six four, two forty. They had Jerome Bettis. Yeah. Six three, two sixty. You know, we had Fred Taylor ourselves. So they brought they brought me here because they wanted a physical guy. I was I was six one, two hundred fifteen, and two hundred twenty pounds. So they wanted a physical guy. So I remember having multiple welcoming <laughs> to the NFL moments, hitting these guys. You know what I'm saying? Whether whether it's helmet to helmet, you know what I'm saying? Hitting them in the mouth, hitting them right in the hole, colliding with them getting a chance to do it again. And so I remember uh, I got a chance to go to Jerome Bettis, his Hall of Fame party when he got inducted several years ago. And I told him, man, I said, outside of congratulations, I said, man, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for bringing out the best in me. 
mm. you know, because me getting a chance to prepare against you and to play against you was an honor. You was one of the best, you know, and you were one of the best guys that I got a chance to play with and play against. And so I want to thank you for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome to hear. Um, well, I mean, while we're on the topic, who was the recipient of either your favorite or the hardest hit you ever delivered at Strong Safety? Well, I would say I would say Jerome Bettis too, man. Hey, we <laughs> I remember my rookie my rookie year we had a moment up in up in uh, Three River Stadium mm-hmm. where uh, it was a play where I said, you know what, man, I just I gotta I gotta set the tone, mm-hmm. and they handed the ball off to him. I happened to be free safety, and I just came down and I just hit him, and then he he stepped back and went down on the ground. So it was like I stopped the. It was like I stopped the bus, man. The bus stopped stopped here. <laughs> so, so you know, he, but it was like I said, it was lovely. Like we will go, we will go back and forth. But that was one of those moments that really stood out to me. Great stuff, great stuff. Okay, hardest work in the weight room. Hardest work in the weight room. Hopefully, I would say it was me, mm-hmm. but I would say TJ Slaughter. Even to this day, he's still chiseled, just as if he was still playing. You know, what I'm saying he, he try to he make you he make you jealous, just looking like man, dude. <laughs> Like you ain't got no game tomorrow, but but uh, but he was a hard worker in the weight room. Nice one. Okay, funniest teammate you ever had? Funniest teammate I ever had, I would say Kyle Brady. You mm. know, Kyle Brady used to have they used to do this mango skit on Saturday Night Live, and Kyle Brady, every bit of six seven of himself, would get up and act like he was mango, and you know, it's, it was just funny. And then he used to do a lot of imitations of Coach Kaufman and his speeches, and he used to always keep us laughing. Awesome stuff. Okay, best locker room prank you ever saw? Oh, you know, this actually wasn't a prank, but mm-hmm. I remember one year Jack Del Rio brought in a log. Yeah. log <laughs> in, into the locker room because he wanted to keep us the theme, talking about keep chopping wood. Mm-hmm. Well, the axe that he had was a two-edged sword axe. So I remember one time I used to swing. I was, I was, I was swinging, and then it bounced off of the wood and bounced back and just barely missed my leg. And so I said, man, I'm not dealing with that ever again. Come to find out about a day or a couple of days later, Chris Hansen, our yeah. punter, mm-hmm. actually did the same thing, hit the ax and it came back and wound up cutting his leg. And he had, mm-hmm. you know, wound up ending his career for that. So it wasn't really a prank, but, you know, the joke, there was no joke on anybody, but mm-hmm. it was a serious injury that I saw that, that didn't start out, you know, didn't start out as anything funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, was there any reason for selecting number 20 as your number of choice, obviously, throughout your time at Syracuse? Sure, sure. I mean, I was uh, in high school, I was number 20. Mm-hmm. I was number 20 in college, and I was number 20 in the league. And so that number just kind of stayed with me. You know, I just got known as number 20. I used to think that I was going to try something different in college. You know, you, you know, the college guys, number one, number two, number three, those are the big numbers. But number 20 just kind of sat with me. And it became a household number for me. Nice one. Nice stuff. Okay. Who is your favorite safety currently playing in the NFL right now? Come on, currently playing right now. Well, Earl Thomas, like I said, I, you know, he was one of the safeties. I know he's at the end of, the, end of his career, but what they were doing with the Legion of Boom mm-hmm. over there at Seattle, you know, I, I still, I still, you know, look, look and say, you know, he was kind of the director of, you know, the things of things that was going on out there at this TU defense. And so, Earl Thomas. Nice choice. Sorry, I know you said you were a, um, an Eagles fan growing up. So as a kid, which NFL player was your favorite to watch on the TV? I was Randall Cunningham, man, of mm. course, man. One, one, of, one of, for me, the one of the first black quarterbacks to not only be, was he able to throw the ball, you know, a mile, 
Mm-hmm. And he was able to, once he pulled it down and he ran it, he was one of the first running quarterbacks. And so, uh, so a funny story is I remember near the end of his career, he started to play with Dallas and I was still playing with the Jaguars and I wind up getting an interception off of him. And mm-hmm. I mean, you would have thought that you would have thought that I just won a million bucks mm. because I was like so happy because here was one of my, my, my kid idols that I used to look up to. And now I'm able to intercept the ball from him. So Randall Cunningham was, was one of my role models, you know, that I used to look up to growing up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. What will the Jags record be for the 2021 <sighs> NFL regular season? I want to be, I want to be optimistic, man. I want to be optimistic, but uh, they do have a young squad and they, and they do have a new coach. They have a new staff, they have new everything, you know? And so there's a lot of components that have to come together. Mm-hmm. So I would say about four and 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big, big building process. So that's to be patient. Yeah. And okay. And finally, as a Jags legend, can you give me your best Duval? Duval! <laughs> <laughs> brilliant donovan thank you so much for your time today as a huge jags fan it's been an absolute honor speaking to you and having you on my show where can people find you on social media and help support your foundation your camps anything yeah, else you're involved in sure most definitely you know donovandarius.com you know on the internet and then uh donovan Darius public page on facebook you know instagram donovan Darius and powers um they can they can see that you know it's the donovan Darius foundation you know so again just get connected with me you know, like I said, they can go to YouTube, Donovan Darius Motivates, you know, on YouTube, definitely subscribe to there. They'll see a lot of videos and we do different topics on all different types of things that are encouraging, hopefully, and relative enough for people to, to benefit from. Awesome stuff. I'll make sure to leave all the links down below so people can find it all and check it out. Donovan, once again, thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, that. And there he goes, the brilliant Donovan Darius, one of the greatest players to ever don a Jags jersey and a man who would be near the top of most people's lists of players they'd least like to get tackled by. Donovan could deliver a hit, to say the least. As well as still being loved by Jags fans everywhere, Donovan continues to do great work off the field at current, so make sure to go and check him out, as well as his fantastic foundation on all of his online platforms. All the links you need are in the description of this episode. I've got many more great guests coming very soon, so stay tuned right here on Seb Talk Sports. And to take us out as usual, here's another brilliant track by all-pro New York Giants running back, turned music creator and friend of the show, David Wilson. Catch you soon, guys. 